What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host, Ken Milam and John Swan, as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. This episode is brought to you by a landlocked naval officer who needed a new hobby outside of drinking snobby IPAs. Thank you, Mark. And we're recording. Yay! Mm -hmm. Notice how that voice switched all of a sudden to radio voice? Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's not as good as your radio voice, your your advertiser voice. Um, That's very distinctive from your regular. So, uh, just for everybody's awareness out there. I don't think that you will actually notice it or pick it up or anything, but we are having a hell of a thunderstorm here in Austin, Texas this morning. Yes, we are. And uh, it's downpours of rain and thunder every now and then loud enough to shake the windows. Mm-hmm. So if you do hear something like that, that's what it is. If there's a rumble in the background or anything, um, yeah, it's it's because we're having a storm. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we don't lose power um, because if we do... Um, that it'll be a very one-sided show. Yeah, because <laughs> my my laptop will keep recording because it's got uh, battery, and uh, my phone will keep working. But I have a feeling we will lose our connection here at the studio. <laughs> we need the rain. So mm-hmm. we definitely needed the rain, and we needed the break in the heat wave because oh my god. Yep. It's getting a little bit ridiculous out there with the heat. Yep, just gonna make it sultry as heck now. But oh well. Yeah. Yeah, and I've got to do some uh, more consultation clients or management clients' uh, honey extractions today. I've got to go pull more honey from hives. So that'll be fun because it's going to be, depending on how much they got and if it soaked in or not in their area, um, it's going to be a muddy mess trying to carry heavy boxes up a muddy hill. Yep. And then that'll also be humid as hell. Um by the time the sun comes out, because I think regardless of what's going on this morning right now, it's still supposed to be 100 plus degrees, not counting the heat index. So, yep, it's going to be hot, <laughs> going to be hot. So um, mm-hmm. there is a, a lot of really exciting things that I cannot wait to share with you guys. No. So first off, no, 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 uh-huh. no, but but what about we can tell them about the um, no, no. <laughs> No. No? No. Well, but, well, okay, but what if we just do the one and we tell them about the... No. Not yet? Not yet. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) (sighs) Fine. All right. Well, if we can't do that, then I guess in that case, we'll just have to find something else to do. Um, I will tell everybody that originally... We had intended on this episode being the listener question episode, Mm -hmm. and that listener question episode is actually going to be next Monday. Um, And the reason that we decided to do that is because we mentioned on the Patreon bonus episode last week that, uh, like, Ken brought up a question about going through and wanting to talk about fall splits, and I talked about the fact that we've had several listeners reach out and ask about fall splits as well. And then, you know, as busy as everything's been in the hustle and bustle and shuffle of all this random stuff and and Ken and I trying to come up with some of these new things, I kind of wasn't really paying attention to when it was because for us, it's just hot as hell and it has been and it is going to be. Summertime. But it is 
it is summertime and it is actually the third week of August. And it occurred to me that if we're going to talk about fall splits, we really should have talked about them on like the last week of July, first week of August. Is really I started talking to you about them. <laughs> yeah, that was when you, you mentioned it and, and I did say, oh, that can be an episode. You we know, need day. to talk about fall splits, John. We need to talk fall <laughs> splits. No, I didn't say, John, you wanted to talk to, about do some fall splits. <laughs> yeah, you wanted to talk about it because you and Max are, are thinking that it would be a good idea. Mm-hmm. And let me ask you, let me throw this in here, and you can be thinking about this. You can digest this while we're talking about fall splits. Should we be changing queens out now, or should we wait till spring? That is, that does go hand in hand with that. Thanks for the setup there. <laughs> let's talk Let's talk fall splits, and then we'll talk queens, too. Okay, well, they, like, like I said, they kind of go hand in hand. So um, here is the, there's an upside and a downside to this. Uh, timing is obviously potentially the biggest downside, and there's a few things that go in line with that. So first and foremost, hopefully everybody understands how to do a basic split, but there is a difference between a spring split and a fall split. And if you go back and you listen to some of our previous episodes where we do talk about splitting hives, you'll hear in there that we do talk about doing a light split or doing a regular split. But in the fall, if you're going to do a split in the fall, it actually needs to be a heavier split and it needs to be, you kind of have to overcompensate a little bit more or a little bit more based on how late in the season it is getting. So if you would have done the splits and we would have had this episode at the end of July or even the middle of July, honestly, um, then it could have been like a regular full split. Now that we're in the, the last part of August, it would need to be a very heavy split. And that's one of the, the downsides to it. Now, the other downside, which is the biggest probably misnomer, which really kind of screws everything up, and, and one of the reasons I wasn't even really thinking about it, is the fact that your, small, your, your fall splits do not happen in the fall. They happen in the summer. So they should be called summer splits, and you just raise them through the fall. But that's when you're really supposed to be doing them is in the heat of the summer or in the, the like, right after your honey harvest is mm -hmm. the best time mm -hmm. to do it. Um, or, you know, anywhere between then and that first week of August. And so we're a couple of weeks outside of that time frame. So this episode is going to be not a timely episode uh, like some of ours are where, uh, where our listeners listen and then they send the thing back and they're like oh my god that was perfect timing this one's going to be like dude why didn't you tell me that two weeks ago um so the concepts of your splits the other big downside i want to get all these cautionary tales out of the way first doing a split doing anything in the summer if you live in an area where you have a very heavy very strong dearth which would be us mm-hmm it makes it more challenging because in a strong dearth, anything you do that exposes the smell of fresh honey to the air can immediately incite robbing and can cause catastrophe. So you could set up a screen over like your area, um, almost like if you were going to do like an outside picnic and you had like a tent with a screen so that you could see out but the bugs couldn't get in. You could set something like that up over your hive that you're going to be doing the split from. Um, it was gonna, It's going to get very congested inside there because all the bees that come out and are mad are going to be all over, stuck all over everything. 
but it's going to prevent the other bees from getting in to try to get in there and rob and then, you know, tell all their friends that they should come here. So that can be a challenge. Now, if you live in a northern state where your flow has slowed down and there's like a tiny little trickle and then there's potentially a fall flow, but you don't have the true hardcore dearth where it turns into a desert like it does down here. You can do it and not have as much of a concern about robbing. But robbing is a, a huge concern with this entire process. One of the other concerns is, as you mentioned, the queen. So if you do a walkaway split, or if you allow them to raise their own queen, even though it's a controlled split, but you're allowing them to do their own queen, you now have a possible disadvantage because in the peak of the summer dearth, there may not be as many drones available. They may not be flying as often because it's really hot. And your queen has a much lower success rate on both mating and returning to the hive without being gobbled up by some other predator that's out there right now. Um, you know, and we did talk about those. We mentioned them on one of the previous episodes here just a few weeks ago. Some of the predators that are out there in the peak of the summer uh, will happily gobble up that queen while she's either leaving to go on the mating flight or coming back. So g successfully getting a queen mated and returned to the colony can be a big challenge as well. So those are the things you're facing as far as challenges. Now, now the process... Don't okay, jump in here. Yesterday, I was walking uh, and underneath one of the trees there at the place, is an oak tree, and I figured it must be plum full of aphids. And uh, apparently it's honeydew. Because the bees, you can just hear it just buzzing. And you look up, and it's just solid bees. There was little birds that had a yellow breast that were in there also eating the hell out of them bees. I don't know what kind of little yellow bird that was, or a yellow-breasted bird. So I was sitting there, wow, okay, I ain't never seen them before. Yeah, there are a few species of birds. Um, the, the kingbird which I don't know if that's in our area, mm. and the scissor tail flycatcher. I knew the scissor which tail. Which that one's, yeah, the scissor tail is more predominant in, like, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. um, but those will eat honeybees. Now, there is one, and I don't know. Let me see if I can pull it up here real quick, because I hadn't heard about it. And so I went through and, and pulled it up and did some looking um, just to see. And... So one of our listeners out there and followers on Instagram, which is Lucky Bee Farms, mm -hmm. says, I was wondering if you all have the summer tangers, tanagers, it's T-A-N-A-G-E-R-S, in Texas. And he said, we've been having trouble with them for the last two years. Uh, I can always tell when they've been working around the apiary because they will leave a pile of bee parts on top of the hives. And I've had a couple that were perched outside of a swarm trap after a swarm had moved in, and my ear has become very attuned to their call. And if I do find them near a hive or a feeder, it's on and it's war. And I, I looked up the bird and I said, well, that's interesting. I've not ever specifically noticed this species of bird, but I looked at their migratory patterns and they do come through Texas. It's a, it tends to be a little bit more on the eastern side, and we're kind of right on the cusp of that. But then uh, Miller, Miller Creek Apiary chimed in and said that they have them as well, and they're in East Texas, and they usually migrate through and will be in there as early as April, and they'll leave about mid-August, so like right about this time. Um, so 
there are other ones out there, obviously, that could be a, a problem or a nuisance. And I just realized I said that entire thing facing away from the microphone. So I'm sorry good. if that got quiet. <laughs> well, to you, not necessarily to the recording, because <laughs> I was facing you, not them. <laughs> no, it's all good. So, but now, uh, so. I don't know. That was, these birds were flocked. I mean, there were several of them up there. It was a pretty good bunch of them, and they were eating the hell out of those bees. And I, no, I don't know. We just, but uh, apparently the aphids in that oak tree were really thick because, I mean, they were piles of bees up there. I thought, I, when I went by, I said, damn, there must be a swarm up there. It was a swarm, but they were eating honeydew. But uh, I'll back out now and let you take off. It was that, yeah. There was there was lots of feeding going on. The aphids were feeding on the tree. The bees were feeding on the aphid droplets, and then the birds were feeding on the bees. It's the birds and the bees in the circle of life. That's it. So, if you're going to go through and do your fall split, uh, really, what you want to keep in mind is going to be the fact that the the split needs to be heavier than normal. And here's the other big downside: you need drawn comb. So in the spring, you do have some, yes. In the spring, you can do a split and that split can be a frame of food, a frame of pollen, and a frame of bees, and then shake two or three more frames of bees in there and then just empty foundation or a frame and then an empty frame and empty foundation. And the bees will happily draw out that wax. Well, one of the problems in the fall is we've already passed that time frame, you're in the dearth, and they've stopped or slowed their brood production, which means there's fewer young bees to be able to draw out wax. There's no incoming nectar to provide that constant stream of sugar to draw out wax. And so the bees are less inclined to want to do that. And the later into the dearth and the earlier into the fall and later into the fall it gets, the less inclined they're going to be. Now, I will do a caveat here. I have not tried this. So I, I cannot back this part up and say, yes, do this, it works. But I did have somebody mention that if you do the two-to-one sugar syrup or even higher concentrations of it mm -hmm. and you feed them that in a like a con continuous drip method, basically, um, which would be kind of like a not, uh, not a trough feeder that is on top of the hive where it's just a reservoir but literally like a giant inverted bucket that just slowly drips. A constant So that they feed. don't have, yeah, um, so that they can't, you know, same thing as a mason jar with the holes in it, but then inverted on top. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to slowly drip out, and they're going to go and gather it, and that will make them feel like they're foraging because it's coming in little bits at a time, and it's not necessarily controlled by them, whereas the reservoir, they can very easily be like, oh, well, we've got another food store up here in the attic, and when we need it, we can go get it. So there is a little bit of a difference there. But they claim that if you do that two-to-one, you can still encourage them to draw out wax for a while and, and build up boxes. But that's I don't I cannot verify that. I have not done that, so I cannot attest to its, uh, its viability. But anyhow, so in the spring, you can do that lighter split, and you know that there's a constant stream of baby bees. So you've got the younger bees. You've got that nectar flow, which is peaking up. So there's a constant influx of sugar. And the bees happily draw out wax like crazy. Well, the fall is not that way. So when you do your split in the fall, you need to have empty drawn comb that can immediately be utilized to lay eggs. And you're going to do your split the same way that you would when we talk about like swarms and natural splits of the colony. The old queen 
leaves the colony and goes into the split. The bigger colony, or the original colony, either gets a new queen or raises the new queen. That's where that occurs. Now, on your split, if you're going to straight up divide a colony, which you can do if you've got a colony that's nice and strong, you go through and you take, you want to do two frames of food, so solid capped food. You want to do one solid frame of pollen, if you can find it. Mm -hmm. And then you want to do two to three frames of brood, depending on what you're putting them inside of. If you're putting them in, like if you're taking a 10 frame and you're splitting it into two 10 frames or two 8 frames, then you've got the two of food, one of pollen, two of capped food, one of pollen, two to three of brood. So now you've got five to six frames in there. Mm -hmm. Your other three to five frames, depending on, you know, how many you ended up on the first one, need to be open, empty, drawn, comb. So that they don't have to worry about building out the rest of that wax, they can immediately start utilizing it and expand and grow into it as the queen lays and, and opens up more space, right? Mm -hmm. And you do want to feed them a little bit of that trickle, and this would be the one-to-one -one in this instance just because you're not wanting them to store it, you're wanting to encourage that brood production so you could feed them the one-to-one -one and get them to go through and kind of help ramp them up and, and get going in there. But they need that frame of pollen because they need to be able to feed the babies and they won't raise the young without the pollen. So you want to have that in there as well. And you can divide them equally. So if you've got a 10 frame and you can go through and, and there's equal amounts, you pull out and you say, okay, frame a pollen into this one, frame a pollen into that one, frame of honey into this one, frame of honey into that one, and then frames of brood into this and frames of brood into that. And just make it equal and then fill in any of the gaps with the drawn comb. So for those of you that are listening and this is your first year or maybe even your second year and you don't have drawn comb, you either, one, can't do this successfully without a lot of heartache, potentially, or two, could potentially order some of that better comb that we've been talking about where it's already, it's a synthetic wax, but it's already fully drawn comb. You could order some of that, put it into the frames, put those in there, and that would give you that drawn comb to be able to do this type of split. But if you're going to do it, you've got to do it pretty quickly because time on this is definitely of the essence. Um, now on the queen aspect, so let's switch over to the queens. On the queen aspect, it's going to be you, you can let them raise their own queen, but really that works better if you were doing this right after your honey harvest or somewhere before the 1st of August. Mm. And if not then the best case scenario is going to be to find a breeder that is still selling queens and buy a fully mated first year queen from a breeder and then install her into the colony. Because if you don't, there's going to still be a long period where that colony is not going to have anything going on while they raise the queen, the queen goes and mates, comes back, then lays, and then 21 days pass from the first egg that she lays before your new generations of bees come out. And that's kind of edging into that time period where you really want to be raising bees by the beginning of September because those are going to be your winter bees. Those are your really strong, fat, healthy bees that help your entire colony survive the winter and go through the winter. So there's a lot of little caveats here and there that are both good and bad. Um, the trade-off, though, is that if they do raise their own queen and you do this split, you're giving the colony a brood break, which means 
the mites can then no longer fully replicate like they want to, and that brood break can then be a mite break, and it can be a version of IPM, which is integrated pest management, and can help reduce the overall amount of mites inside the colony. Now, if you are going to do a, a split, I would actually advise that first you go through and test the main colony before you divide it out and see what your mite count is. And if it does need treated and you're in an area where the temperatures are low enough, go ahead and treat it with formic acid with one of the Mite Away Quick Strips before you do the split. Or if you are familiar with and comfortable doing oxalic acid vaporization or the oxalic acid drip, you can treat them with that. And you can do that one after you've done the split. You can treat each half of it if you want to with either of those methods um, during that time period. But treating is also very, very important this time of year. Um, this is where the colony reached its peak in July and now it's tapering off, but the mite count reached its peak and is still climbing. So it's going up while your colony numbers are going down. Mm -hmm. And so mite treatments, mite checks, all that stuff is very crucial right now. But unfortunately for us in Central Texas, it's 100 plus degrees every day. We can't use the formic acid. We really shouldn't be using Apigard. Um, so it, it limits us down to things like HopGuard 2 as an alternative or the oxalic acid. Um, but I'm not a fan of using the oxalic acid because I am a fan of my lungs and I don't want to screw them up if uh, something happens. I also don't want to burn down a hive if I incorrectly use the wand and all this other stuff. So I have messed with those things. They are dangerous. You have to be very, very careful and cautious. And there's a lot of horror stories out there about things going wrong. So, um, but as we have said many, many times over, go check out the Varroa Management Guide from the Honeybee Health Coalition. And that will tell you everything. You can look through there and see the time of year that it is, your options, the efficacy of those options, you know, cautionaries, things like that. That's the best case on those. So anyhow, so that is that is the concept. So yes, you could can go through and find a strong colony and split that colony mm -hmm. and then allow that colony to overwinter in a single deep box and giving them the empty drawn comb that's already drawn out, but nothing in it, no brood, no food, no nothing like that to fill in the spaces where you didn't already put comb in there, that allows them to go ahead and grow and expand without having to focus expenditures of a lot of resources to create wax or not creating it at all. Um, one little side story as an example of bees not drawing wax this time of year. I went out and checked the main apiary. Uh, this would have been in mid-June mm -hmm. during kind of what should have been the peak of the nectar flow, but it ended about a week later. And the I had one colony out there that had gone queenless, mm -hmm. but they hadn't gone laying worker. And they really didn't have any room to go laying worker because they had pretty much in their time of twiddling their fingers and, and, and their antenna and uh, not having anything to do because the queen wasn't there, they backfilled every single f cell in the colony with nectar. And I was like, well, at this point, I'm just going to go ahead and let them finish up and then we'll just harvest everything out and combine whatever bees are left into one of the other colonies and, and let them deal with it or just take it away like we would have done a shakeout on a, on a laying worker colony anyway. But when I looked in there, the entire top box was uncapped. It was full of honey, but it was uncapped. 
And my normal process is, okay, we're going to leave that one for a couple of weeks. I'll come back and check. Well, I came back and checked in the late part of July. So almost a month later is when I came back out there to take a look at this. That top box was still uncapped. And it was still full. And I was like, what the heck? So I went ahead and sampled it. And I tested it on the refractometer to check the moisture content. The moisture content was 16%, which is well below the threshold to be considered ripe honey. Mm -hmm. So it was ripe honey, but they were not capping it. And they were not capping it because by that point, there was no nectar flow. And with them being a queenless colony, they had no young bees that would readily produce wax. Mm -hmm. So they literally just refused to do anything (laughs) and they didn't cap it. But it was actually ripe. And I was like, well, that's that's a first. That's new. I haven't ran across that. But I normally don't do that either. I normally don't just leave a colony and be like, oh, well, you know, I mean, they're already pretty much circling the drain, but they've got a lot of food stores. I'll just let them finish up. And then when we do the the dissemination of it, um, I'll just take that and harvest that out. But yeah, that was that was kind of an interesting little thing to come across. But anyhow, that is the concept of a fall split, which is truly a summer split. You could still do them if you did them this week um, and made sure that you were very heavy on resources. So if you've got a double colony, go ahead and split that double colony down into two separate boxes instead of like two stacked on top of each other. Separate them off and do an equal divide in there. And then if the colony is still super strong, you could go through and add a medium box on top of it of drawn comb Mm -hmm. and allow them to have that as a honey super that they could potentially fill with the fall flow, fingers crossed, if we have one. Um, One other side note, when you do this, you have your original colony. You're going to actually move the original colony and you're going to put the split in the place of the original colony. And so, again... Whenever you do something like that, start by picking up the original colony and setting it off to the side. Then put your box there that you're going to go through and use to actually create the split. You then open everything up. You do your split. You put all your frames in there. Close it back up and then carry that original colony off to its new location. In doing this, you're going to then offset your split with tons of foragers to help make sure that it is strong and healthy. And that's going to give you a nice, good balance of bees in there. Um, If you chose to do the split and leave the original queen in the other colony, that's fine. You can put the new queen in this one. If If the split is actually raising a queen and you've put a queen cell in there, then this is a great way to do that too because that bolsters their population before she comes out and hatches so that then you still have plenty of bees in there before she, you know, because 21 days basically before she actually gets that colony up and going. So, um, but yeah, you want to kind of flip-flop those so that your other split ends up getting all of the foragers. And then the parent colony has all of the the young bees and the nurse bees and all that kind of stuff going on. So that is one of the ways that you can do that as well. Any questions, sir? Not at all. Not at all. Mm. Well, damn, that was easy. <laughs> Hop guard two. Hop guard two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh that is something that you can use this time of year. But again, Varroa Management Guide. Honeybee Health Coalition. Look those up on Google. Download that Varroa Management Guide. If you want to, if you're a visual and you want to like listen and learn, you can go and 
pull up their videos and they've got videos that describe each of them and how to use them and everything. So it is an all-encompassing resource for anything Varroa mite related and mite control. So definitely check that out. And uh, apologies on this being the not listener question episode, but that will be next Monday's episode. We will do listener questions and we have several of them in here. And I have tried to be as diligent as possible about going through and answering everybody because I did know that it was going to be at least a week delayed. Um, So I wanted to make sure that you got your answers in a timely fashion, but we will still go and read your questions on the show and then answer them again on the show as well. So definitely tune in and check that out next Monday. And uh, for those of you who are Patreon members, you will have another bonus episode coming out on Thursday as well as uh, a few other things. There's been a couple of Patreon releases this week, actually. Um, So, you know, feel free if you have not already listened to those to go do so. We'll get off here and let everybody go and uh, and get on with your week. And we hope you have a spectacular week. And uh, how do we say goodbye, Ken? Bye, family. (laughs) Be good. (laughs) There you go. Be good. Be healthy. Bye, everybody. Y'all be good. Thank you. It's time for our guys to buzz off. But don't fret. The Hive Jive journey continues with new episodes Mondays every month. Until then, you can follow along with the guys on Facebook and Instagram at The Hive Jive. Thanks for listening and be safe out there.